Welcome to Two Larrys and a Mike. I'm Larry Dowdy. Larry Bly here. How you doing? Mike. Mike. Oh, uh, yeah. What in the world? Mike is trying to build a better toothbrush. The old one's serving us fine for hundreds of years, but he's decided to... He's developing an Oral-E toothbrush. Oral-E? Oral-E, yes. Followed by one even better, the Oral Roberts toothbrush <laughs> that not only cleans your teeth, but heals your gums and other mouth problems. <laughs> you know, improvement on the The Oral last thing. time I was at the dentist, <laughs> yeah. you know, the new thing with toothbrushes is made out of wood, bamboo. Oh, really? Yeah, made out of bamboo because apparently... We're throwing too many plastic ones oh, away. Oh, I see. I yeah. see. I see. Uh, well, George Washington would be very happy because his <laughs> teeth were made out of uh, something. We don't know what. Yes, he would. Wood, they say. Actually, that's not true. You know, it was actually made out of ivory. Did you know that was made I, out of I ivory? I wasn't aware of that. Well, you know it now. Did he have tusks? Never I don't know. Oh, okay. He occasionally would say tusk, tusk. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so is that true, really? So our dentists are yeah, given yeah, they're, they're, I think they're made out of bamboo. Hmm, how about that? But um, hmm. it's very odd to get used to using it, but I, I, I kind of like it now. Well, don't be surprised if some panda doesn't come in and swipe it out of your hand and eat it. <laughs> That's mine. Because they, they, they like bamboo, as you know. <laughs> well, uh, in this episode of Two Larry Mike, episode yeah. seven, Seventy-seven. Oh my! We're going to be doing uh, songs with heaven in the title. And as usual, in addition to our list, I actually came up with a few uh-huh. additional ones, and we'll be talking about those. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get to that shortly. Uh, you want to do some birthdays first? Sure. Go on ahead. All right. Happy birthday wishes to Bob Gaudia of the Four Seasons. Eighty-two. Mm. Uh, Joe Walsh turned seventy-six. By the way, the uh, Sirius XM played us. Four Seasons song yesterday I'd never heard before, and I honestly <laughs> hope that I'll never hear again. Oh, that it was bad? terrible. It was really? Awful. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, Norman Greenbaum turned uh, 81. Livingston Taylor, 73. Uh, Christian singer Stephen Curtis Chapman, 61. Rock musician actor Steve Van Zant. Zant. Also known as Little Steven, 73. You know, he's a great actor. He was uh, uh, has been sort of a core member of uh, the, the band mm-hmm. for um, what's his name? Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yeah. and uh, was on uh, uh, quite a few uh, HBO shows. He's been—he's a good actor. He really is. Is that a mosquito flying around in here? Well, I don't know. It sure looks like a mosquito to me. Oh well. Anyway, he's uh, seventy-three years old. Singer Miley Cyrus turns thirty-one. That could be Skeeter Davis. <laughs> I'm not sure. Singer Bruce Hornsby is sixty-nine. Speaking of great singers, you know. Yeah. Oh, here's one. Former Beatles drummer Pete Best is eighty-two and still regretting that day that he <laughs> stopped playing the drums with the Beatles. Singer Lee Michaels, seventy-eight. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Okay. Great music from him too. Uh, Amy Grant turned sixty-three recently. Bob. Lynn, 81. What the, was that uh, butterfly song you Elusive did? Butterfly. That would be it, yeah. as opposed to the elusive Skeeter. That was the uh, only one he ever had, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bob Lynn, 81. Uh, musician uh, John McVie of Fleetwood Mac, 78. Mm-hmm. Gene Terrell of The Supreme, 79. How about that? Uh, music executive Barry Gordy turning 94 recently. He's still counting all the money he made. Uh, that's probably true. Uh, Randy Newman, 80. Paul Schaefer, 74. Singer-songwriter Bruce Chanel. Hey, baby. 
Uh, 83. I want to know if you'll be my girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, blues musician John Mayall is 90, 90 years old. Good heavens. I saw a picture of him the other day. He doesn't look a day over 112. <laughs> musician Chuck Mangione is 83. And singer keyboardist Felix Cavalier. Uh, Cavalieri is the way the uh, St. John's pronounced it yesterday, is uh, 81, hard to believe. And Felix, uh, of course, wrote most of the songs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and he carried that Hammond B. organ by himself, I think. Which is why he uh, (laughs) has a large rupture to this day. (laughs) Yeah, really. Oh, and one more, uh, Billy Idol, turning 68. Oh, my heavens. Good gracious. What happened in uh, history? Well, John Lennon released Double Fantasy on November 17th, 1980, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin, the album Zeppelin 3. They were always very creative with the naming of their albums. Say, they just kept naming them after themselves. Yeah, uh, that uh, Zeppelin 3 went to number one in the UK and US album charts on November 18th, 1970. Mm-hmm. Joan Jett and the Black Hearts released I Love Rock and Roll. On November eighteenth, nineteen eighty one. Another one of those. That's another one of those classic songs mm-hmm. that uh, will always be a part of the rock and roll history. I think it's just a great song. Yeah, Got played an yeah. awful lot. Uh, Don Henley released "Building the Perfect Beast" in nineteen eighty four, November of nineteen eighty four, and I had to look back what, at that album. It's like, what the heck what, is on that album? What did you say? Um, All she wants to do is dance. Oh, okay. Uh, the boys of summer and just, sunset grill. So, was "Building the Perfect Beast" was that? Uh, that the was title of an album. That was the title of the album. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that came out of it. Okay. Well, I don't know that. Queen released A Night at the Opera. What a great one that was. And mm-hmm. you're my best friend and Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, Ario Speedwagon releasing High Infidelity. That was November 21st, 1980 with Keep On Loving You and Take It on the Run. Mm-hmm. Pink Floyd releasing their song Another Brick in the Wall, part two. I guess Top 40 didn't like part one, mm. so they just went with part two. There were an awful lot of part twos that made it. There, there were. Uh, that was November 23rd, 1979. We lost uh, legendary Freddie Mercury, uh, November 24, 1991, and they're just now starting to sell off stuff from his estate. Wow. His estate went to some woman, uh-huh. and she's selling off a lot of it piece by piece. Eric Clapton released his fifth studio album, Slow Hand, 45 years ago. Features Cocaine, Lay Down Sally, A Wonderful Tonight. Talk about an album that had some mm. staying power. Oh, absolutely. Yes, released Fragile. That was November 26, 1971, Roundabout and Long Distance Runaround. Mm, uh, that was probably one half of the album right there, those two songs, because they were the long versions. The Beatles releasing Magical Mystery Tour on November 27, 1967. Played the entire thing, one cut at a time mm-hmm, here and there. Mm-hmm. On WHBG before anybody ever had the record because I had a, a girlfriend who was uh, working for Capitol Recording Studios. Really? Well, not the recording studio. She was working for the pressing plant in Winchester, Virginia. Wow. And she snuck one out for me. She sneaked one out. And you had no idea what she you had, had your hands on, she, did you? It's the only thing she ever gave up for me. 
<laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I played it on the air, and I, I'm sure I shouldn't even be telling that to this day. I'm sure I could be hauled into court because <laughs> it certainly wasn't legal to be doing. 53 years ago, on November 27, 1970, George Harrison released the album All Things Must Pass. His first solo album, All Things Must Pass, spent seven weeks at number one of the Billboard Top LP chart, and My Sweet Lord was a number one hit. Get out of here. Uh, that's what I got. Well, do we have any uh, news? We got news coming into the podcast newsroom. Podcast here. news. We got it. Well, I guess you did. It's all about hauling oats. Are you searching for it? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking. Where is it? It's there. It's further down the list. So, hauling oats. Yeah. Boy, have they been in the news lately. I mean, say it isn't so, but hauling oats embroiled in a legal battle that has led to Daryl Hall getting a restraining order against his former music partner, John Oates. Hall has sued his longtime music partner, John Oates, arguing that his plan to sell off his share of a joint venture would violate a business agreement the duo had. Excuse me, he wants to pass up millions and millions of dollars. Probably so. sounds like to me. Well, sounds like they've lost that love and feeling. I know. Well, when asked about the lawsuit, by the way, John Oates was uh, uh, quoted as saying, I can't go for that. No can do. (laughs) You knew it was coming, didn't you? No. I wasn't sure it was coming, but I'm glad it did. Can't go for that. No can do. Uh, Dolly Parton, the rock star. Came out on November 17th. She came out. Was she gay? She, she No, no. She's now a rock star. Do you know that? Oh, yeah. I know that. And a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. Uh, that if was, you saw, some, that it, was some outfit. That was out. some outfit, and yeah. you know, it takes a lot of guts for a 77-year-old woman yeah. to wear that. And she, she rocked she, it. She, she did a great really job. Did. She really did. Uh, By but, the way, the album is doing very well. It is doing very well. Uh, Sting is on it, uh, doing Every Breath You Take with Dolly. Mm-hmm. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Uh, I hate myself for loving you elton john don't let the sun go down on me oh i'm sure that paul mccartney came by didn't he uh, paul mccartney and ringo Starr uh sing on let it be probably you know, play on it too. you know of course you know if we open the doors here in our podcast studio mccartney would surely come right in and, <laughs> you know he uh, hasn't missed a gig yet anywhere <laughs> that's true he's very busy um, showing up on other people's albums imagine so. deborah harry and dolly pardon Heart of Glass. No, I can't. Uh, also, uh, Pat Benatar on uh, Heartbreaker. 77? You know what? She still has the respect. She's rocking it. She she is. Uh, another 77-year-old. I'm thrilled to death because finally someone older than me. <laughs> yeah. But only by well, a little time. Uh, there's a new Christmas album out from this 77-year-old. That would be Cher Christmas is the name of the album. Everything from What Christmas Means to Me to Run Run Rudolph, Home with Michael Buble, and others. It's her number one song on Billboard. It's her first number one song on Billboard in decades with DJ Play a Christmas song. And you know, it, which by the way, she it's perform- not bad. She performed last night mm-hmm. on Live at Rockefeller Center when mm-hmm. they did the lighting of the Christmas tree. And she was there last night and she just looked fabulous and sounded great too. She had a great oh, backup that's, band that's that good you to might hear. have. I will tell you, NBC does a superb job yep. of that show. All Everything is live, there's no mm-hmm. lip syncing. 
the bands are live. Mm-hmm. Whoever puts that together and whoever mixes it knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. I'm very proud of the Peacock people. Mm-hmm. Last night they put on a great show, including Darlene Love and really? Darlene Love yeah. and Cher singing at the same time. Whoa. It was a great show. Whoa. We lost Tina Turner this year, but a perfect stocking stuffer is Tina Turner, Queen of Rock and Roll. Okay. Some 55 songs for the Tina Turner lover. Well, I'm sure they're going to mind that for all this uh, And I promise you, you're not going to be disappointed. And also the Rolling Stones, they're hitting the road again. Uh, the 2024 Hackney Diamonds Tour. Some of the closest dates, June 3rd, Orlando, June 7th, Atlanta, and June 11th, Philadelphia. Ringo Starr's latest project is for fans of music of fashion. Ringo offers a tour of his past Mm -hmm. in his brand new book, a brand new book called Beats and Threads, an illustrated journey through the former Beatles' decades in show business featuring images of everything from his drum kits to his trend-setting wardrobe. 312-page book is sold through the publishing division of Julian's Auctions, featuring nearly 300 shimmering images captured uh, of him. Mm-hmm. Beats and Threads, by the way, put this on your Christmas list, Larry. Write this down. Okay, okay. Has a list price of $80. However, if you really want to give me the ultimate gift... Um, <laughs> You can have a signed limited edition yeah. for seven hundred and fifty dollars. Sammy, you. thank you very much. Sammy Oki, yeah. hello. Get hello. out that checkbook. You know, I, and that's going to be out in time for Christmas, right? Well, I think so. I well, think hopefully, so. I'll be finished with the Barbara Streisand one by then. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's out right now. I do. I think it's out right now. Barbara Streisand's uh, "My Name Is Barbara." On the audiobook, 50 hours long. It was almost a thousand the page book. The woman has not forgotten a thing. Sure. And anything that was big in her career, she covers it. We seldom ever do this around here, ladies and gentlemen, but we have a podcast editorial. Oh? It's a very short one. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. James Brown. Thank God they got rid of that easy echo. So what is that? They use the badge and listen to his in the living room. All I got to say is who could who who could argue with that? Right? <laughs> okay. Who could understand that? Who's gonna argue with that? So this time around in episode seventy seven, we're talking about songs. Songs with heaven. In the title. Heaven Only Knows. Heaven Only Knows. Yeah, that could definitely be there. Uh, Brian Adams, Heaven, 1985. Good one. Uh, how about uh, This is one of my favorite Heaven songs of all time. Heaven Must Be Missing an Angel. Mm-hmm. Tavares. Tavares, yep. Tavares yeah, yep. 1976. Yep. Right. Uh, Stairway to Heaven, one of the more famous ones mm-hmm. from 1971. Led Zeppelin, of course. Uh, heaven is a Place on Earth from uh, Belinda Carlisle. Tears in Heaven, Eric Clapton, 1992. I'm not, oh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, the one after one after his son died. Yeah, it died. was. Very famous. It was. Yeah. Knocking on Heaven's Door, knock, knock, knocking on Heaven's Door. Bob Dylan, you know, Bob wrote the song and he sung it, but, but it's also... So is everybody a, else. But it was a big song for Guns N' Roses in uh, 91, and mm-hmm. Eric Clapton most famously in 1993. One of my favorite Righteous Brothers songs, yeah. Rock and Roll Heaven. 
1974. The song was first recorded by the band Climax. Were you aware of that? No, I don't. I have never heard that version. It came out a year before The Righteous Brothers. You know, and that surprises me. The Climax version didn't even uh, didn't even chart. And then The Righteous Brothers come out with uh, with a song that does so well for them. Remembering uh, Hendrix and Joplin and uh, and Otis Redding. Yeah. BG's too much heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heaven on the seventh floor. Paul Nicholas. Pop was, song that was, became a 1977 hit single for the uh, British singer. It was his biggest U.S. hit. Why not on the eighth floor? Didn't rhyme as well. I don't. Here's heaven. a great one. Uh, Ozark Mountain Daredevils did. If you want to get to heaven, you got to raise a little. You know what? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And surprisingly, that song for them. Uh, only reached number 25, and their other hit, Jackie Blue. I remember Jackie Blue. Only that, hit 25. Heaven Knows, Donna Summer, 1978. Preceded her disco stuff, I think. Maybe, maybe not. Eh, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, disco it, was it just, made it up to number four. four so. Disco was just starting to come around in 78. Yep. Okay. You'll never get to heaven if you break my heart. Dionne Warwick, 1964. Mm-hmm. God. Is that true? Oh, we'll go back even further. Oh, my. 56, Pennies from Heaven, Mr. Blue Eyes. Chairman of the board. Mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra. 1956. How about that? Yeah. Heaven Help Us All, Stevie Wonder, 1970. That was a great song. Another fun Heaven song, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Grassroots and Heaven Knows. Made it up to number 24, Midnight Confessions, Let's Live for Today, and Sooner or Later were their only top 10 hits. About that. But heaven knows, it's it's a great song. Speaking about old songs, this one goes back to 1956. Fats Domino, the old fat man, My Blue Heaven, When Whippoorwills Call, mm. blah, 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 blah. Fats great Domino. Song. He recorded most of his stuff, by the way, at one of two studios in New Orleans. No. But he also played a, a backup piano for tons of other people, including Lloyd Price, who went down to... New Orleans to record a lot of his songs because he wanted Fats playing the piano. Wow. Fats didn't have a big ego. He <laughs> said, yeah, you pay me for the session. And I'll go down. I think he was a union member, probably. Something happened on the way to heaven, Phil Collins. What happened in 1989? Uh, I, don't, don't I don't know, but it was a pretty good song for Phil Collins. And uh, Lover Boy, Heaven in Your Eyes. That was uh, from 1986. Did I miss any? Yes, you did. Oh, Okay. Uh, here's one. There's a place called Heaven by the Rascals. I've actually played bits and pieces that. of that for yeah, you on yeah. the. And Heaven Help Us All, Stevie Wonder. I mentioned that a while ago. Mm-hmm. That actually was a hit for him. That's all I got. I couldn't okay. think of any other. I'm sure there were a lot of them that went back to the 30s and 40s, but I wasn't in the mood. <laughs> so anyway. But some great Heaven songs for this episode of Two Larrys and a Mic. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it pop quiz time? Oh, you want a pop quiz? I want do a you? pop quiz. Well, you popped that one on me, and when the, there we go. Oh, okay. uh, so here we go. I'm going to give you the pop quiz. Give me one more there. Thank you very okay. much, enough, poppers. <laughs> Did Bob Dylan write one of Jimi Hendrix's most famous and commercial hits? Even played on top forty radio, and if so, what was it? I would say Dylan did write it. He did. Watchtower. Oh, you got it right. Absolutely. You that weren't was a look- guess. You weren't looking over my shoulder. No, no, but that was a guess. Yeah, you did a good job. He did indeed write uh, one of Hendrick's biggest hits all along the Watchtower. In fact, Dylan had already released it on one of his albums, but it didn't do too much. 
Hendrick's version hit with the listeners and immediately became a familiar top 40 hit. It was a great song, too. But yeah, Dylan wrote a lot of stuff for other people. I actually wrote that one for himself, but Jimi Hendrix says, I'm going to make it mine, and he did. Mm. So anyway. All right. Shall we get to a few obits? Oh, sadly, we have to. Yeah. Last time, I don't think we had a one. Mm-hmm. And now this time. Well, we're going to make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Uh, George Brown, a founding member of Cool and the Gang, died after battling cancer on November 16th, the age of 74. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with drumming, Brown co-wrote a handful of songs for Cool and the Gang, Ladies Night, Too Hot, Jungle Boogie. Oh, that's always been one of my favorite cool in the gang uh, songs uh summer madness open sesame celebration and cherish among others so um, quite a loss there yeah gene knight known for her big stacks record mr big stuff has died she was 80 years old she was born and raised in nolan's and was basically an r&b artist Hmm. yeah recorded for stacks recording studio i had to go to memphis to record those mr big stuff one of my favorite songs who do you think you are two minutes and 27 seconds and a classic song from what 1971 Mm -hmm. tv producer uh marty croft has died and the reason i mentioned this um, on the podcast because he had something to do with music known for the imaginative children's shows such as hr puff and stuff did you watch that I never did. I knew it was on. I was done growing up. Yeah, I I don't think I... No, I didn't watch it. And primetime hits, including Donnie and Marie, he Mm -hmm. brought them to TV in the early 70s. He died in Los Angeles uh, at the age of 86. He was getting up there. He died Saturday. Uh, Croft and his brother Sid were puppeteers who broke into television and ended up getting stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Hmm. Along the way, they brought a trippy sensibility to children's TV and brought uh, singling uh, siblings uh, Donnie and Marie Osmond and Barbara Mandrell and the sisters to prime time. Wow. They brought all of those people to TV. Clean-cut TV was what they were known for, and uh, they made their mark in television with H.R. Puffin stuff, that spawned the 1970 feature film Puff and Stuff, which I never saw either. And uh, Land of the Lost, Electro Woman, and Dinah Girl, Pryor's Place, with comedian Richard Pryor. I don't remember that. And DC Follies, in which Puffs give a satirical take on politics and news. Anyway, they he made uh, quite the impact. On H.R. Puffin. Yeah, I wasn't an H.R. Puffin stuff fan. Yeah. I was more of a banana splits oh, okay. well, kind of guy. All sort of a part of the same genre. Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I was a little grown up to be watching, uh, you know, Saturday morning <laughs> stuff. So I didn't, Unless it was Bugs Bunny. I missed out on it. <laughs> Got an ear check here. You want okay, to hear something? I'm ready. All right, this one. I think we may have run this one, but I'm not sure. From Charlotte, here's Robert Murphy. Thank you, announcer. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. And here is the nudes. Dateline Charlotte. Radio stations WAYS and WROQ were not completely off the air Monday morning at the height of morning drive peak listening after the lead hamster at Duke Power Company died after an overdose of saccharin. In demanding an explanation of the ill-timed blackout, station owner Stanley Myron Kappelberger was, <laughs> was, was assured by officials of Duke Power that the occurrence would not be repeated due to the scheduled installation of Duke Power's new alternate power supply source, which consists of a windmill installed in front of County Commissioner Bill Boo's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, local reporter for the uh, Charlotte Observer said that uh, 
His show was wickedly mean. <laughs> <laughs> they always had a good time. It was a great station. I wish I had grown up with that station. Robert Murphy had some pipes. Oh, man, did he, yeah. though? Yeah, he you know, really It makes did. us sound like a bunch of little mice <laughs> yeah, out here. I'm telling you that. <laughs> 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 oh, gee. All right, you ready for Beyond the Tracks? No. Well, no, let's do it anyway. Let's do it anyway. The Beatles. Yeah. Some notes from the latest book, The Living Beatles legend. Okay. The untold story of Mal Evans. Who? Uh, he was a bouncer for the Beatles, van know. driver, roadie fixer. Beatles bodyguard. Be- Beatles bodyguard, yeah. How yeah. about that? And what happened to him? Fascinating book. I mean, he was everywhere the Beatles were. Oh, it's now, a- you may or may not have seen him. It's a book. It's a book okay. about Mal Evans. George Martin, yeah. he says, told Brian Epstein he questioned... And we just mentioned this earlier. Hmm. He questioned Pete Best's ability as a drummer uh, once a record deal was signed with EMI. Turns out he knew more than we thought he did, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, even though Pete Best probably regrets leaving the Beatles, he was either going to leave on his own yeah, they, or they were going to show him they the They didn't door. give him any choice. Everything I've ever read, they they dumped him. They yeah, fired him. Yeah, and uh, that, Ringo that opened the door in, for Ringo. He walked in at the right time. And, you know, Ringo is a good drummer. Mm-hmm. He really is yeah, a good he drummer. he is. Uh, October 12, 1962, the Beatles were on the same show with Little Richard. Mal was a fan, and Little Richard had a 16-year-old organist that played with him on this particular show. And the organist um, was named Billy Preston. Yeah. One of the reasons, by the way, he was doing this. I'm reading a book on it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the latest uh, the latest uh, biography on Little Richard is only 200 pages long. And I thought, what could they possibly put in 200 pages <laughs> that I haven't already read in five other books? Uh-huh. What, but the writer is really compelling. He's done a lot of great rock and roll books. And uh, he, he talks about this tour. It was uh, sort of an attempt to bring a little Richard back up again after he turned to religion briefly. Okay. And then decided, oh, I can't make my house payments. <laughs> so they sent him to uh, Europe. To do a, a, a tour, and uh, it, it mentions the fact that he took uh, Billy Preston with him the first time, didn't take him with him the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, he took him along and uh, was a big hit over there. He was a big oh. star, and he claims in the book, he claims that he taught the Beatles half of what they know. Of course, you know, <laughs> Little Richard was never hesitant about taking credit for things. Well, that's so, right. there you, know. you go. In My Life is Mal's favorite song from Rubber Soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a note that is held down on uh, You Won't See Me, the last one-third of the song on a Hammond organ, Paul's idea for Mal to be part of the Beatles' music magic. Well, you know, they almost wanted Billy to join the group, but uh, I think John Lennon didn't want it. So. And for the longest time, didn't they want to call Billy Preston the he fifth, he fifth Beatle? Yeah. yeah. He traveled with them a lot, and he played with them, and, um, but for some reason they just didn't. There was room for another Beatle. That's mm-hmm. August 25th, 1966, the Beatles played the Seattle Center Coliseum. Mm. At the time, according to Mal, a 16-year-old Ann Wilson and her younger sister Nancy were in the audience. Well, how did they know that? And who would have ever thought? Well, how did they know that? Oh, well. They talk in the book about the uh, the Apple Records group, the Ivies. Okay. And I kept saying, I've as I'm reading this, Ivies. going, who are the Ivies? I've never heard them. Well, yeah, you have. Maybe you've heard of Badfinger. Oh, okay. Now you're talking my language. Neil Aspinall 
came up with the name Badfinger. Really? Apple Records, they didn't like the name The Ivies, and so Neil came up with Badfinger. He came up with the group name from Badfinger Boogie, which was the working title for With a Little Help from my friends. No kidding. Well, this book shall be interesting, I do believe. Yeah, Living Uh, the Beatles Legend, The Untold Story of Mal Evans. I may have to put that on my Christmas list. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Your list is getting longer getting very and longer, long, and yes, and very expensive. I might add, yeah, but I think it would be pretty good. Okay, all right, that's that it. That's all I got. All right, thanks for listening to episode seventy-seven of Two Larrys and a Mike. If you like this episode, hit the subscribe button so you'll be notified of new episodes. And you can find Two Larrys and a Mike wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to share this podcast someone by clicking on the share button. Join us next time. Two Larrys and a mic. I'm Larry Dowdy. Larry Bly here, and um, oh, Mike is still working on the Oral D and the Oral Roberts. Tooth- Are you sure this is going to work? Toothbrush. And by the way, yeah. you'll, you'll notice he is, uh, it must be uh, one of those bamboo ones because he's sawing on it, and hammering on it. And- so he's a little before his time. I think even. a two by four is a, just a little too big, Mike. <laughs> Probably. We'll so. see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.